Welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. Uh, my name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hey, Susan. Hello. Uh, and we are live again. I'm alive. No, no, I said we are live. I know, I'm teasing you. Oh, you're just, you're just... Yeah, we're live. Pulling my I... leg here. What? Pulling my leg? I am. I'm, I was pulling yeah. your leg. Well, I'm... Uh... I, I put out in a little notice that said we were going to be on and that people should join us and and uh, join in on the chat. So I'm lo- I got my eye on the chat. Okay, great, fantastic. We'll see if anyone joins and asks us a question or makes a comment. Okay. Um, All right. I hear yes. your cat in the background, so if yeah. you have to go take care of the cat, you no, can go just, do that. You know. This might meow. He's so you joining should, in. He's joining in. So how about you You tell us about um, a top, our topic for today. I want to do something just a little more fun, a little more breezy. I know. I had all these topics, and you're like, that's too That's too much thinking. That's too much thinking. I don't know if this one's any less thinking, but um, I thought I had suggested we talk about virtual reality and specifically our desires and expectations around virtual reality. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I th- I, th- I think Will that's that be great. Okay? Um, we've actually we had this on the list for a quite while. a long time. Yeah, and now with the um, meta announcement about sort of the this, metaverse, there's such a lot of a lot of buzz. Uh, we'll you know, and so just just all right. So how are we going to kick this off? Um, oh. <laughs> Uh, we do actually have have someone uh, have someone, ar- we have someone around. Us. Yeah, Eric Oakland okay. says says hi. Oh, so. we have a bunch of people. So does Eileen. Oh, that's fantastic. I like it. All right, Guthrie, how do you want to start talking about virtual reality? And I, people who are joining yeah. us on chat, please feel free to join in and give us your ideas as we go along. Uh, well, we we probably won't say them on air, but if you have questions, we we may ask questions. There you go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, so. The the first the, the first thought I want to I want to talk is if you want to talk just just at a very high level about um, your usability expectations about virtual reality and augmented reality and I do want to box this in right because like yeah sure in in a hundred years we'll all be living in pods or you know I I, I want to keep this uh, not necessarily uh, completely devoid of uh, future stuff, but let's talk about, we'll talk about the near term, which is sort of, you know, maybe the next five years, you know, okay. four or five okay. years. And then if you want to talk about sort of a medium long term, which is maybe 10 years from now, okay. um, right. right. But, but we'll, we will. Uh, you want to rein in a little, which I'm yeah, all for. Yeah, let's just assume that given enough time in the future, anything is possible that it all works out and, you know, Etc. Etc. So, um, but but let's let's just start let's just start sort of with with the the short and medium term. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. There's so many, uh, even just even just time boxing it the way you did, and even if we just focused on the user experience of virtual reality. Yeah. There's already so many things you could talk about and deal with. I mean, I I actually. Um, have delved a little bit into the not only user experience, but even narrower into like the user interface, user interaction things around virtual reality, virtual reality, which are really interesting. Just about the design of the visual spaces and and what do you do with that? Um, there are, you know, uh, here I'll bring up just some of them. What I think of as the more obvious UX problems. Let's start there. So you have the problem of uh, people who are wearing a, a, a VR headset uh, hurting themselves because they uh, are moving around and they start moving around in their virtual space and aren't paying attention to where they're moving around in re- in reality space. No, no, I actually, I should actually say something really quick. What? Because I do want to also add that... Um, a lot of these, you know, we, we have a client who is rolling out sort of, who's doing some um, usability testing or big, big picture thoughts. And whenever they kind of talk to people who might, you know, end up using this, 
a lot of the discussion ends up about the specifics of the technological implementation. Yes. So, so it, I do want to, you know, bring that up, right? Because that is one thing that is sort of like a tech technological problem um, that we are not experts again in in that. I I, I watched the entire uh, Meta keynote, by the way, if that if that counts. Um, I've, I've used VR. You have a little less experience than me, but you know, so we have some, but we are obviously not like. Yeah, I, very good point. I do not want to position aspect. us as experts in the technical virtual reality. Yes. Now, what I will say is that, so for example, um, there's rumors that the uh, new Facebook slash Oculus, Facebook owns Oculus, Meta, sorry, um, Meta, Facebook, uh, they, they own Oculus, that the new uh, Oculus Pro or there's some other, I think it's called Stellaris or something. No, that's a video game. It doesn't matter. Um, that that the new uh, one they were coming was going to have a lot more eye tracking, a lot more sensors, and potentially one of the things that this will unlock is the ability to have programs show you your space with a camera in VR. So your face is covered, okay, but you yeah, but, but you, you can you see see your room, right? So so you're. <clears throat> It's, but it's doesn't that doesn't that take reality. But doesn't that take away from being in in because then you're not going to be immersed. I'm immersed in the VR experience, except over here I can see that I'm really still in my office. Um. Well, if you want to get creative about it, and this is and this is well, maybe we can get into sort of my like hesitations about it because. There does seem to be sort of like a, it's going to be this amazing thing and blah, blah, blah. And it's super cool. And it's like, but only if the implementation is perfect. And if there is a single part of the implementation that sort of isn't perfect, then, then the, whole, it, the whole thing is not going to work. That's true. So, that's, so, a, that's a really good point. So I just want to say that there is like a, you can imagine uh, a software that for example uh so you're in you're in like your your ar space right and you can switch between okay i'm in my room but now i want to go like uh like mark zuckerberg dig did i'm out in the alps or something in like my cabin and you could have the same layout right there could be like a chair in your ar space or if you're yeah, i see space, what you're saying Right, so so, you, so I, I'm still using, very aware of my current physical surroundings, but, within the, but now they're in a larger space. And you're right. And I think no, well, we, but then, no, they're in an augmented space. Right, right. Yeah. I think that um, you're right. I think we make the mistake of thinking that VR is a very narrow thing and 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 it, it must be total immersion. You know, ta think about immersion, right? we get very immersed in what we're doing and don't, you know, you know what that experience is like. You're doing something on your computer and you're on your monitor and the monitor is this big and you forget about everything else around you, except not really. Right. Uh, so I agree with you. I think we need to expand our ideas and our definitions of what total immersion really means and it's even a uh, goal and whether it's a goal you know another thing i want to mention is just um i'd be interested and i don't know if anyone is checking out the the you know we talk a fair amount in our workshops and so on about the importance of peripheral vision right and you know you think of vr and you think of that total immersion and that would include central vision and peripheral vision. But I think you've got options there, right? Um, you know, our peripheral vision right now does warn us when we need to pay attention about something else going on besides what we're directly looking at. And so it might be that, um, you know, that's the best space in which to alert people is there are all kinds of things that could be done in peripheral vision. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like this way of thinking. And I, I don't know, Guthrie, uh, do you know uh, how much I'm sure I think somebody's doing research on, you know, different levels of immersion and, and what might be best and perhaps total immersion is not, you know, 100% the way to go. Well, I do know, I mean, It's been part of part of the problem is that it's sort of a little bit like talking about cellular phones because <clears throat> okay. it's this technology and <clears throat> sorry, you know, different people can imagine a different future for this technology yes. and stuff. So if, if I if I go to one company and I say, here's this thing where you have the internet on a small device in your pocket and you can call people for, for one group. It's like, okay, here's the future. People will, it'll be, um, uh, like, like, uh, like, what is it? Chain group calling from a thousand years ago, you know, where you and all your friends will all get on the phone at the same time, get on at the same time. You all talk, you know, and then a different company is like, no, the phone is going to be a computer and you're going to watch videos on your phone. You're going to use it for, and then there's another company that's like, oh, well, um, as you famously say with like your your uh, old Motorola example, it, only like, you know, the president would need one in case there's an right. emergency right. or, you know, some military strike force or the, something. That's the story about my conversation with the, the, the guy who ran the team that actually invented the cell phone. And yeah. that, was, that was their idea of how it was going to be used. Yeah. So... There is just like a like a general sense that there is a little bit of confusion about what this future actually is. And that is one of the reasons I I will say I'm a little skeptical in the short term about what's going to happen. Do you remember the conversation we had? Um, what city were we in? I don't remember if it was Chicago or San Francisco. It was one of those two. We had a conversation. I'll leave the name and the company out of it with someone who was uh, working on some research to use VR headsets to make them available to travelers in airplanes so that you would get you know, on the plane and you'd get in your seat. Yeah. And then instead of watching a movie, you'd just get on your virtual reality headset and immerse yourself in something. And, and it was as a way, uh, did he say this or was this just my impression to, you know, keep everyone just busy. And so they would stop being restless and agitated and, and asking for things, right. You know, just give people a headset and then they can, They'll, they'll just go off on their own adventure during the whole plane ride. So I, I agree with you that, um, that it like, like all new technologies, I don't think we know how people are going to want to use it and how they will use it and how we'll invent ways to use it. And probably we'll be wrong if we try and guess. So that's however, why. However, I do have a question for you around that. Yeah, and then because I because I have an idea of how we then proceed. Then, well, that was kind of my question. <laughs> okay, then, so, so, so how do how do we move forward if we're just kind of guessing and we right. know we may get it wrong? Right. Okay. So the the way to do it is to first part one distill what every future has in common. So, for example, in our smartphone analogy. Every smartphone, um, and I mean, yeah, there's some weird edge, edge cases, but for the vast majority of kind of visions, you know, for a mobile cellular phone device, you hold it in your hand, right? That's just like a thing that like, yeah, generally okay. that's like, okay. Well, are so, you saying that was planned, you know, that was anticipated ahead of time? No, I just like for all the few, the versions of a smartphone of what that future was, there are some common elements to okay. it. Okay. All right? right. And so we can talk about the common elements uh, about sort of a AR, VR, 
All right, what are they? Do you know? One, strapping a a giant thing to your head. That's going to be the vision? Yeah. Now, like I said, in the future, 10 years plus, maybe there's tech where it all fits into a contact lens and it's easy. But you're saying for right now, short term, short term, you put on a headset. You're putting a headset on. Okay. Um, So. Well, so let's talk about that from a user perspective, because, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg had this thing where, you know, they're they're making the metaverse, and we'll we'll. So first, I want to talk about what's similar, and then we can talk about sort of each individual vision, and whether you know we think, you know, some pitfalls or or not. Okay. Okay. Um, the, the so the first part thing on your head comfortable and it it, i'm i'm a little i'm not exactly sure that it provides like what is the benefit that it provides you know being an ar necessarily over just looking at a screen um right like you could there's no uh at at the end of the day uh, ar vr headset is nothing but software you're looking at a screen, except the screen is two is, lenses is all around you. Yeah. with little things in your eyes that are mimicking what you yes. normally see. But it is just a screen, like like the metaverse. There's no there's no reason you couldn't do that on a regular monitor. Right. The metaverse. Well, does the metaverse assume VR? Not necessarily. It mostly does. Oh. It doesn't always, but like. At it least the Facebook iteration okay. of, of that doesn't necessarily say it has to be, but, but that was in all the renders, in the examples. Okay. Everything was in. All right. So, so you think that we should assume that for the next five years or not assume that? Yeah. I think we need, you need to assume that you in order for VR or AR to maybe not AR, but at least VR to work, to be immersed. Yes. You have to put You're on, have a headset. Okay. And it will have to be plugged in. It's not running on batteries. Uh, not any of the good ones. Okay. Maybe in 10 years. Yes. It'll okay. be but in five out. years it's plugged in and it's, and you're putting on a helmet. Okay. All right. What else do you want to assume, and why do you? And why is this important to assume these things? Well, I think that there is an inherent, um, from a usability perspective. Yeah. I think there is sort of like a mental model something about doing an extra step. So, for example, let's just assume that we're in the house wearing sweatpants. And we need to go somewhere. And that would require putting pants on and going outside. It's okay. not difficult to, you know, put on nicer pants, nicer clothes. And or in your case, you're, you know, you, you live in the frigid Arctic at the moment. I do at the moment. No, it's very, it's a, it very got, cold. got above zero degrees Fahrenheit today. So it's nice and warm. No, it hasn't yet. Not yet. Okay. But maybe soon. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, that's that's about negative, I don't know, 17, 18 centigrade, something like that. It's bad. It's just bad. <laughs> um, so for you to just take, why don't you just take the garbage out? Yeah, that's a big deal for me. Would, it's not hard. You just have to put on. I have to put on layout. It's even I less. Than have socks and boots socks, and boots a coat and, jacket. and hat. And, yeah. Is it difficult to put clothes, to put on a jacket? No, but it is a hassle. It is a hassle. And so the idea of, okay, I need to go. I need to get my headset. I got to be in the space and move the chairs and put the thing on and hook it up and strap it in and make sure it's set up correctly and then log in. And like, it might be a hassle. And if there's anything yeah. we know about humans and hassles is that they hate them. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I do worry about is while the tech is getting better and better and better, uh, to 
one of the problems about being in VR is that our brains really need a lot of data. Yeah. And if you don't have enough data, it can cause like headaches, can cause motion sickness in some people. Yeah, we especially need certain kinds of data when we're talking about moving through space. Yep. It just and really quick, really really quick. Yeah. And in high, so so there that is getting better as the processing gets better, as the screens to be able to do higher resolutions and screens. All these things are getting better. Um, but, I know one of the tricks that um, you'll find this may be interesting um, that the new you know professional Oculus uh, the, the the newer VR headsets are going to use are going to use eye tracking. And it'll only render in um, very high definition what you're actually looking at. So if you're watching a movie, it's just rendering that. And then the peripheral vision, instead of having to use the computational power to render that at you know, 4K or 8K, whatever the, the resolution is, it'll drop that that down so that it can, you know, Really well, then you know this is so interesting. And then if you around, it'll render stuff. I know. I find that interesting because, you know, our peripheral vision, without the VR headset, is by nature blurry. Right. There's a woman at MIT that's done some great research on this, and we don't see very well in our peripheral vision. So, but if we wanted, what? Well, well. But the thing is, our peripheral vision changes depending on where our eyes are. Constantly. So you, so you know, how fast can you flick your eyes around? That's how fast it would have to then render, change something the clear versus blurry. Right. So it's so it's a little hard. Are we it, okay? All right. Now I have more questions for you. Should we be? Are we going to be trying to simulate that real life? in the VR or is the whole idea of VR is that, I mean, okay. So first of all, I think some of the, some of the issues that our body has dealing with VR is because it's not doing the normal vision things that we're used to. Uh, And our brain is having a hard time with that. Um, So does that mean that we try and simulate the way our eyes really work and our brains really work? Or does it mean that we're just going to be learning a new way to perceive reality? So part of these have to do with the way the tech works. And so, you know, I'm not going to jump into that just because we're trying to not talk about trying to keep within a reasonable five years. Yeah. But, but also, you know, I'm not, it depends on the, on the, on the way that is implemented. So with, but with that said, I do, wonder if there is an unnaturalness to it yes that people just don't really like it's yes. one thing to look at a screen and then the rest of your world is what we normally do you know yes. and it's what we see and what's what we do um but to completely remove that just might be on a human level uncomfortable and just doesn't feel right um yes. it doesn't feel natural and uh, so, for example, I, if you recall, there was like the 3D TV craze. Yeah. Everyone will sit around and they'll put glasses on and watch a movie. Yeah. People are like, no, I don't. I'm not going to wear that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, I'm just going to watch the movie in 2D. It's fine. I just don't care. Right. And right. so I do wonder. This is, so this is my first big question. The first big hurdle is what's the killer use case that would, I mean, Besides like entertainment, right? Like obviously it would be fun to have a VR headset to play a video game in VR every now and then. Go undersea, uh, go into the ocean and look at the coral reef. Watch a movie in three dimensions and move around the characters. Like there are cool, very cool things that one can do. The question is, so in the sort of the metaverse version, um, the idea is that people are going to be spending large quantities of time in VR. That all of your day-to-day meetings, of which, you know, you have a lot. I have a lot of meetings. You're, you know, but like, you know, that like most of those will happen remotely and you'll be in VR the whole time. You know, like I am not sure that there is necessarily a benefit to that experience 
that is VR or AR um, dependent. So for example, a lot of the cool things about the metaverse, right? Like going to, uh, like having a meeting that, that's remote, but every, but it looks like everyone's in the same room with their avatars, right? Why there's, why does that have to be in virtual reality? Why couldn't you just look at a screen and see all the people in the room with their avatars, but you're just like, right? So you have a camera on you. And so, you know, you're just watching, you know, everyone else in the meeting from like a bird's eye view and you could pan around, you know, it'd be like a video game. You could change point of view or whatever, but like, you know, like, so, so it, so it looks like we're all in the same room talking together as opposed to just, you know, blocks on a screen. Right. That's the, that's the magic of part of the AR vision. I just don't know why I would need to experience that in three dimensions. So it sounds to me like I'm doing now. Like you might not be investing in VR stock at the current time. I, I, I mean, I don't know. You're not even going to answer that question. I, I, uh, I do understand what you're saying. And I don't know that. Uh, I mean, I can tell you, me personally, I do not want to put on a VR headset and for hours on end every day to join the meeting. And uh, I think it is interesting that humans have seemed to have easily adapted, easily adapted to combination worlds, to being in combinations of worlds at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that I'm sitting here right now and I'm looking at my screen and I'm looking at the video and we have people, uh, you know, chatting with us. And uh, I'm also in my office looking out the window and I'm perfectly comfortable being in these two spaces. And I like, I like being in the two spaces. I, that to me is 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 added an add-on. It's a worthwhile add-on. I think the same thing is really true with our phones. And you know, I think we've proven we like being in multiple spaces. You know, it's very popular for people to be in multiple spaces. In fact, so popular, they almost wish they didn't like it as much and they wish they didn't do it as much. But it's very easy for us to pick up the phone and be here and interacting in here and interacting in physical space. So, um, and I don't know that we would have necessarily um, uh thought that was true. Hmm. I think if you had asked me that a long time ago before we had these multiple spaces, I might have said, oh, no, people won't want to do that. You know, people will want to be in the space they're in. They're used to being in one physical location and seeing what their eyes are seeing, and they're not going to want to be in two places at once. That'll be disorienting. Then and it is in a way, and it definitely, you know, causes fatigue, right? We know that that's part of our split attention, multitasking, um, task switching, and, and that does cause fatigue. And there are some things about that that people don't like. But it is also now very obvious that we are comfortable with it. And in many ways, we do like it. Hmm. Uh, and I don't, so I'm, I'm hesitant to make predictions about what we will and won't want to do. I'm hesitant to do that because I think we get that wrong a lot. That's fair. Though that is, again, that's not necessarily a, uh, a physical discomfort necessarily. That's sort of like no, a mental, that's, that's a, a mental thing. Psychological thing. Right. And, right, and right. that may be easier than physical things. Um, uh, there was another, uh, Eileen mentioned another uh, use case for VR that makes a lot of sense. Um, VR slash AR, like uh, you, you, you put the headset on and then you could try out different furniture in a room and see the, the feel how it is. Okay, I want this color versus this color or you're shopping for clothes 
And so, you know, you can like look at yourself in the mirror and look, try the different sizes and try the different stuff and sort of, you know, see how it looks, you know, from your perspective. Um, and yeah, let, and that's a great use case. I'm not saying that there won't be any uh, good use cases for VR or that it will not continue to gain adoption and popularity. Um, but it's it's the, I guess we should, at this point, uh, I'll let you finish your point. And then, then we should probably move on to specific visions of VR and whether we think those visions are better or worse. Yeah, I was just going to add that I, I think the particular use case that Eileen mentioned you get it, I, and the ones you were just talking about, Guthrie, I think then you do get into that question is, is it worth the hassle of going to get the headset and putting it on and making sure it's plugged in and that you're logged in, right, for that? That's a that's a good question, which also then the other point I was going to make is that I think the use case for augmented reality is, to me, is more obvious in terms of the short term. You know, that there's lots of things that that would be, you know, useful and easy to do by adding adding data um, in instead of just, you know, encasing yourself in the VR. You're playing around with the I'm just trying to show, show, showing the actual thing. Yeah, actual, you uh, can comments. actually show them. I didn't know you could do that. Anyway, what was right. your what was the thing you wanted to transition into? Okay, so that's that was one of like the commonalities yeah. of, of it that just uh, that that I do think is might be a slight barrier. Now, yeah. so there are a couple different other variations on this okay. that may be more successful that require less of a physical uncomfortable okay. like. toll. Um, for example, I do wonder if the, the tech may be coming in the next five years potentially. Um, more of of a hologram 3d screen mm, i was going to ask you about right so so there could be ways to um not necessarily be in vr but you're watching but you can have some of the three-dimensional aspects yes. to it and because it uses eye tracking as you move around your screen it's almost like you're looking into a box yes. um uh, in chicago where i live in the uh the um Art Institute in Chicago in the basement is my favorite exhibit there. Um, they have, Mo well, the Monet exhibit is probably my favorite, but my, se <laughs> my second one is the miniatures and it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have like, um, I don't, I'm uh, trying to remember if like I've a seen whole that. Victorian, it's houses from all the different areas, Vic classic uh, colonial houses and Victorian houses and Tudor stuff and all this, all the, you know, they, there's like, there's like 50 or 80 of them. And they're all made out of, they're, they're all like these very, they're, made, they're miniatures, right? So someone yeah. meticulously little detail with all the molding and stuff in like yeah. the tiniest little things. The, 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 whole, the whole rooms are only, I don't know, maybe like three by two. But it's yeah. cool if you walk up to it and there's a glass panel in front of you. And then there's a three-dimensional sort of room that you look into. Right. Yeah. And it's the miniature. But because it's a room, as you move around, you can sort of you can uh, sometimes you can see through things. doorways to other rooms and stuff. Yeah. And so there is sort of an aspect to it where you're looking around and you're looking up and you're looking down. You can kind of see into it. Um, and so maybe with um, there, there are some three dimensional screens or other experiences that can incorporate some of those aspects um, without having to necessarily um, put on a headset. That's part one. Yes. Part two uh, is obviously um, AR, augmented reality tech. Uh, so, you know, I hold up my phone and I'm seeing the room, right? And then I can do stuff on my phone, put the furniture where I want. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, look at, you know, that's kind of interesting. Um, or, uh, uh, there was um, uh, Meta, Facebook, Meta, um, in their slide. They had this. They had this sort of vision of an experience where you're at a concert, you know, with you know all your friends, um, and uh, you know, you're you're like sitting there watching it, but the concert is happening in virtual reality. I, I do wonder if there is. Um, 
maybe a way where you can just watch it on your TV. But then, uh, you know, with your phone, you could just pick your phone up and move your phone around and like look at your friend's avatar and wave or, you know, take a screenshot or like ways to sort of have sort of an augmented reality experience or do some of this stuff. Um, just with it within a device within a phone that has the motion tracking all. Yeah, it's interesting because I think you're talking about perhaps I don't know if separating is the right word, but if we if we look if we separate I'll use separate separate the the uh, technology mm-hmm. from the the I guess we could say the use cases or the you know, the things that we can do, right? If we separate the technology from what you want to do with it, then I think it opens it up into, okay, yeah, you moving around the room, that would be good. You don't have to do that in VR. You can do that in, you know, perhaps AR um, or something with three dimensions. So, so uh, you know, m- not getting hung up on, well, it's VR technology you put on the headset, you know, that's not assuming that has to be the way you do it, but to just think about what are the ways that people might want to uh, not only move through space, but, you know, visually and mentally move through. And are there other ways to do that besides VR? That's probably, that may be more productive, more useful, um, more realistic. How about this as a medium intermediate tech? Instead what? of putting on a whole headset, you have an augmented reality pair of glasses. Well, didn't so, didn't we try that? Somebody tried that. Oh, it will continue. Somebody big try tried that. Yeah, why didn't that work? The tech wasn't good enough. In what way? Uh, in the demos that they showed, it was super cool and really high resolution and really smart. The reality is, is that the processing for that wasn't fast wasn't enough. Good so enough. It's not giving you that what you want. Uh, or, or it just it wasn't. It just it's just it's just not it it wasn't futuristic enough. It wasn't useful enough. The software wasn't good enough. The hardware wasn't good enough. It was buggy. Um, I don't, there weren't enough use cases for it. But for example, let's just say you wanted to do that sort of meeting, right? I could imagine a, a, a situation in which instead of have, just having like, you know, um, if you're having like a one-on-one like we're doing, right? Uh, instead of being totally immersed, um, what if I, you know, I just have a little headset and I can sort of you know, you're, you, I get to experience talking to you in your, like, you know, I sit at a table and across from you, there's, I just put an empty chair and then the, the little glasses can just fill in sort of like a little sort of hologram thing there. And so I'm still looking mostly at real life. I don't have to strap a whole headset to my head. I just have a little glass piece of glasses or, you know, something like that. Um, but I get to have this sort of experience. So there, there is a, that's sort of option number door number two there is instead of the whole headset, you don't get as immersive an experience, but there's a simpler thing that you just put on. That's maybe a little more acceptable for people that still allows somewhat of an augmented sort of reality experience. Um, I, I, I can imagine a use case in which you walk into the grocery store. Um, let, let's just, let's just pick Amazon. They own whole foods. Uh, so, in your Amazon account before you go to the store, you make a grocery list and you put on the the Amazon Prime head, you know, little glasses before you go in, or maybe you bring your own glasses and it's the Amazon app. And you walk through the store and there's just a little thing that has your grocery list and little little directions in the store to tell you where all the things are. So you start in the produce, it's like, and and so it's like ginger is this way. And you can get, you know, the the romaine lettuce is over there. And don't forget tomatoes, right? So, like, it, it's sort of navigating you. You walk through the store and you get this stuff. But then you're also being in a grocery store. And you can pick up stuff and, you know, look at uh, fruits. And it'll tell you what the prices are of things. And, you know, if something's on sale. And so, so you're having this sort of interactive experience 
that is sort of the, this is why the future of AR and VR is so good and blah, blah, blah. But you're not necessarily needing an entire headset. You're still, you're still able to go out in the world and interact and walk around. So that's sort of door number two. Um, and I think that may be a little, that, that may be where I think there's more traction, perhaps. Um, the computational power required is a little less. The difficulty putting it into a small device is a little more because you can't just plug it into a big computer somewhere. The software is a little more yeah. because in VR, you basically just to get to go into a video game. You know, they're using yeah. they're using video game software to render right. the world in three dimensions and then they just put you in it. Right. That's pretty easy because it's a controlled environment. We know how to do video games. We know how to do 3D modeling and Unity and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, whereas if you are augmented reality, the software is harder because you have to put the right stuff in based on, you know, a camera's view. Okay. But that, but that is also an option um, that is sort of interesting. You know, as you were talking, I'm wondering, you know what I would really like now we get into what does Susan want right now? Here's what I want. Um, I want you to put on the glasses and walk through the grocery store so I can so I can stay home <laughs> and you can but and you can shop for me. And I, you can walk through and I can say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me one of those apples, Guthrie. And and you can you can do the shopping for me and, you know, or my the, the shopper and it can be delivered or I'll come pick it up. That's what I want. Can we do that? As you were describing the grocery thing, I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to the grocery store. I'm going to have someone else go to the grocery store so for me. But I'd love to really be there with them and see what they're seeing so and like make a, my decisions. Like a robot with a camera that goes around, but you get to see what the robot sees, and you're like, okay, I want that orange, and you press Please. on it. Please. I am ready. Can we do that right now? Definitely not. The tech is I not would pay for money for that service. But you, but you, you, you can have one shot for you now. But I can't, yes, but I, and I do, I do, I, you know, COVID being uh, what it is. Sure, COVID yeah. being what it is. That is mainly how I shop. And the order is about 75% correct <laughs> <laughs> every time. I would love it to have a higher percentage of correct because I could see what's going on. But that you don't. <laughs> but that is not necessarily a function for all the tech innovation that would go into creating a robot that walk around that you could then use software to control remotely from yes, your yes. VR headset at home, it's probably easier just to figure out a way to have your shopping order get selected correctly. That is the way to get the shopping order selected correctly. I, I do I do understand um, what you're saying. I just want everyone to solve my problems. <laughs> Well, so, okay, so let's get into the meta version of things then, the okay. Facebook meta version. All right. um, again, I watched the entire keynote top to bottom. Yes. Yeah, is that worth it? Should we do that or not? Um, I was hesitant to do it because I thought they were going to go off on some. I haven't watched it because I figured it would go off on teenagers. Yeah, and it's I was really just, long. Like, rolling um, my eyes. Here's, so, so, okay, so there are a couple components to the Facebook thing. I'll try to describe this the best I can. Apologies okay. to people who are actually experts in this. Okay. It kind of goes a little something like this. Facebook wants to create this metaverse, which is just a way of saying a but groups of software that are represented in a three-dimensional space. Okay. Much like a video game. Yes. Um, and then interacted instead of just by random characters or software interacted by other people. 
So it's yes. sort of like a very large multiplayer game where lots of other people are going into this game, this 3D representation of something, and doing things. Yeah. Okay. So part one of that is obviously VR because that's a good way to get into the game or to right. display the game. Right. Um, they happen to also own Oculus, which is that one of the large yes. VR headset companies. Yes. So they are well positioned to do this. So yes. that's part one. Part two of this strategy is about making money. Why should we let other companies sell things and make money from them when we can just sell imaginary things and make right. money selling that? Right. So why should there be artists that make art that you put on the wall we should, we can't, Facebook can't control, Meta can't control what's on my wall. So if you have people in a virtual space, much like The Sims, this is all just The Sims, yeah. people will pay money and we get a cut of that right. um, to then to have art yep. online. And one of the things I will say is a lot of the focus of the Meta keynote, Meta talk, and it was like, it was like 90 minutes, Meta movie. <laughs> was announcement um, was all about how it would be empowering artists. There would be creators who would be creating stuff in the metaverse that people would buy. Yeah. And so it's sort of this thing. And of course, then Facebook being in the middle, Meta being in the middle, collecting money off that. Right. That's sort of where you get into NFT territory, right. right? You go to a concert you are experiencing this concert in VR and then that experience is an NFT that you can then right. purchase. Right. Uh, I, I think, I think NFTs are sort of interesting. Uh, I, uh, as, as an attorney, um, I find the NFTs to be especially fascinating since uh, in the United States, things are, uh, we have these things called copyright laws that actually denote ownership over things that are not physical yes and nfts don't uh, confer ownership right so i'm not you know where does that fit from an attorney point of view right. really helps people uh maybe the future of nfts is just a a token uh, sorry a crypto um a, a, a blockchain based copyright system Maybe that's the best of both worlds. Um, I, at the moment, I find it hard to justify buying something that doesn't give me any property rights. You know, like if you go to the grocery store and you pay a dollar for an apple, but then someone else... Yes, but you, you, you must... Don't have the apple. But you must admit, people spend enormous amounts of money on... We all do, on things that don't result in ownership of anything. We pay for experiences. That's true, but at least you get to have the experience. Well, if you buy, so see, cause we pay, we pay for, you just sent me an article recently. We pay, we pay for, uh, the, the, the feeling that we, uh, are up higher in the hierarchy. Yes, this is we true. We pay for the feeling that we have status. We pay for the feeling that we are important. We pay for a lot of things in which we not only don't have anything, we don't even have an, an, an actual experience, but we do have a feeling. So this, okay, you, this is a perfect transition because you've brought me exactly to the problem that I think I have with Meta's vision. Meta has, their whole thing is premised on sort of an exclusivity of some capacity and that everyone will be, everyone and everything and all the creators and all the things and it will all be in this ecosystem, the metaverse, okay? Yes. There is nothing preventing any other company from just making a different one. And in fact, there will be. 
Like if Facebook thinks they're the only ones. That, yeah. So, so, uh, 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 obviously, uh, Facebook is going to do one. I'm sure Google will do one. Yeah. I am sure that some Tencent in some capacity will have one. And some unknown that hasn't arrived yet. But it hasn't arrived yet. So my, my, my sort of my issue with the idea of exclusivity, right? So let's say I create an NFT and we have an entity of the different parts of this podcast, right? And you can own the NFT of the minute of this podcast, but there's nothing necessarily preventing someone else from just doing that same thing again. And then I could have an NFT of the exact same thing. It's just on a, I'm just copying it. It's a, it's a copy of something. So at some point, you know, and the reason that, um, you know, that Bitcoin has been so successful is that it has become sort of the default. It was the original, but it's also sort of the default uh, thing that is the biggest. It doesn't mean something can't supplant it, but a lot of alternative coins have tried. They have not necessarily succeeded, um, though I guess you could make an argument for Ethereum and stuff like that. The point, the point being, it is hard then to how, how the metaverse works and why I would really want to get invested in one sort of metaverse and buy all sorts of art in there, uh, blah, blah, blah. When we do a lot of remote meetings, some of them are on Teams, some of them are on Zoom, some of them use like Citrix. We're, do, we're on Restream right now. We're on LinkedIn. Some of them, you know, like, like there are so many different softwares to do this very basic thing. And everyone has to be on the same software to be on the same. So this idea that there's just going to be one platform and that everyone agrees like, okay, this is the platform and we're done Yeah, that now. is not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And that sort of fragmentation is going to cause real problems really quickly. Really? Now, I think so. Because but we we fragment all the time over everything. I mean, how many streaming a, services are there? Yeah, people can't stand it. How many this social is, media channels are there? Well, okay, so no, that's a perfect example because what Meta has said is that there will be an interoperability between them and things that don't exist. I don't know how that's going to happen. That's what they say. So, like, if you buy something in their space you'll be able to have it in a, in a different space because yeah, something about open source, something, I, I don't know if I believe any of it, but that's, that's the theory is that you'll be able to take it wherever you go. And the social media aspect is a really good one because there is software that allows you to write something once and it gets posted yeah, immediately. Of, although I find it impossible to use. And so I end up posting in multiple places. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but the fragmentation is a real issue. And back when everything was on Netflix or cable, it was pretty easy. But now that everyone has their own streaming service, it's becoming very difficult uh, here in the States because it used to be Netflix and then it was like, okay, Netflix or Hulu. Oh, now um, it's like, you know. So we have Netflix. Dozens. Oh, no, don't even go through it. It, it just goes on and Disney on Plus, and on. Disney Plus, Apple, TV. It goes on and on. TV. It just goes on and on. Yeah. There's but, I mean, my favorite thing is uh, on. Well, this is, this is cable. This was the whole point of cable. I know. Is I that know. instead of having to have one channel, you pay someone to bundle all the channels together. Well, and then cables and as as. I, Lots of people I have mean, done this before. So, I yeah. I love about my my TV and my remote control that I can press a button and I can just name something and it'll show me which streaming service <laughs> I can watch that on because I don't want right. to go research it. Now so imagine, but imagine if instead of streaming, yeah, you were buying movies. And buying TV shows. I do and buy movies. No, no, no. So if you wanted to watch something, 
Yeah. Let's say you wanted to, the only way to watch, you had to buy a Marvel movie. Yeah. But they were only on Disney Plus. Yeah. But then if you wanted to buy, like, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you had to go to, like, Hulu yeah. or something. Yeah. It's one thing to have a subscription and to stream stuff. Yeah. It's, a, it's very different to purchase right. things and, where and then is switch. It, where, so, right. so here's an example, right? One of the examples in the meta um, presentation was that you you and your friends were all going to a, a concert. Yeah. And you're all watching this, your favorite artist on this in this sort of VR concert. Um. But, or you're like watching a movie together, but it would just require everyone being on the same platform. Same on, yeah. People can't. Pe- some people have Xboxes, and some people have Playstations, and some people have PCs, and they all own the same game, and they can't play together. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, okay, well then I'm just going to do my small thing over here. Yeah. And that works pretty well if you're just doing entertainment, but if yeah. you move into the work arena. Stuff gets kind of weird pretty fast. Um, I, I wanted to show show this uh, this this comment. Um, it's maybe it's maybe too uh, it's it's too long, but uh, uh, I just I just want to say um, it's sort of a sort of fun like what is art? <laughs> question that uh, right. I always ask my artist friends and they glare at me. Um, but it, but it's a very good it's a it's a very good question about, like. All right. So to is to there some, is it a marketplace? Okay. Is I, a, to to some I wanna I, we need to bring this all to a close. I'm gonna do that by asking we didn't get, you a question. We did not get very far. Well, we can do another another one if we have to. But I have a question for you. Do you think that we need do we need to answer some of these basic questions? about what this technology is and what we're doing with it before we can really move forward with it? Or do you think we're just going to move forward with it and, and, and hopefully get to a place where the best uses kind of fall out of there? That's a good question. I don't think we need to necessarily figure it out. Um, but Without open standards, um, which has happened, like if you look at USB, pretty successful open standard, uh, but that is pretty much the exception hmm. and not the norm. And when so, it comes so to software, we, yeah, really the only standard that's worked has been email. And that's 25 years old and people are still using it for a critical parts of most of their lives, yeah. just because it's like the only open source, non-fragmented mm-hmm. thing. And I, I have a hard time believing that all the giant greedy tech companies in the world are going to figure out a way to do complete interoperability through VR, AR, work, all the different stuff. They're all just going to work together It'll be seamless. But that's why it's called the metaverse. Exactly. Yeah. Because we're yeah. all working on it together. Oh, oh, oh. What it's really going to be is the fragmentverse. <laughs> the fragmentverse. The fragaverse. Let's call it the fragaverse. The fragaverse. <laughs> all right. That's Guthrie, funny. We have managed to whittle away an entire hour, but an interesting conversation. This is one of those ones I'd like to go back and look at five years from now and see how wrong we are. Yeah. I do that from time to time and boy, did we, did we, uh, did we sort of miss the boat? All right. Well, maybe we'll do another episode on things we missed the boat on. Um, like I know we had, uh, we did one on, um, like, um, auditory, user interfaces right when alexos were taking we missed the boat on that i just think that like we thought because it was moving up right and we thought that there would be a ton of that kind of stuff and then it and then it's kind of petered out where it's like anything beyond like 
playing some music or turning on the lights or something. It it's like, do I really, I mean, I'm sure some people do, but like, Oh uh, yeah. Well, we could do a whole, a I think whole, a lot of people have these smart devices. We, we could do a whole hour mm -hmm. on, on how language interfaces continually disappoint me in my lifetime. But um, <laughs> Okay. Maybe, well, hold on, hold on. Another one. Um, uh, well, <laughs> do you have do you have do you have two like a minute or two for some questions? Yeah, absolutely. What are for the short questions? Okay. Yes. Well, if if someone wants to ask um, a question or two, we'll we'll. Oh, we'll we take, should have left more time for that. We should have left yes. more time, but yeah, but, go ahead yeah. and ask your question. And type okay. in. So, so so the first the first big question, um, and we'll only do we only have time for one or two, but we can do a couple. Um, just as a as a big as a sort of this is a the, to summarize because you wanted to sort of summarize where we got in part one, which was not very far, but okay. It, in in a broad general sense, okay, in much the way that social media became our future became very not doesn't dominate our lives, but certainly is a big aspect of our world. Yes. Is this idea of some sort of virtual online um, second life, but different this time? Uh, oh, this is a very good question uh, coming up. Thank you for that question. This is great. Uh, do you think that that will be sort of a large component of our worlds in the five to 10 year window? I'm going to say no. Okay. That it will it will remain sort of a fun niche edge case. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of inclined to agree with you a little bit, a little bit. I think some of the AR stuff has a little higher chance. I think a lot of this stuff in screens. Yeah, I think like I think there are pieces of the technology that will get used used in other places and will become very common. But the metaverse, as it's being currently described... Where everyone sits on their couch with a VR no, headset I'm gonna on. Say, I'm going to say no. Okay. And here's the follow-up question, which is just fantastic. Thank you for this question. Uh, I will we'll put this in. So, how, so, tie, so tie our guesses of the this tech in with the tools and skills that a UX designer will know. Cause you are, you are Mrs. UX over here. <laughs> the queen of usability. Oh God. Um, I think, I think it's always a good idea for, uh, if you're in the field of UX to try, and it's not easy to stay up on what's going on, what other people like, Meta or anyone else is saying is going to be the future. Um, as soon as there's something available to try out, to think about, do that. But I think also, I guess, you know, a lot of these things kind of, as you said, they never, or they take a lot longer. Like, oh, I, I would have said a couple of years ago, everybody should learn about how to design and test language interfaces. It's different than designing and testing visual interfaces. Uh, but And there are people who who have a career of that, but is that something every UX designer needs to know now? No. Is it useful to think about it, to, to think about your, you know, to definitely try out and make sure you've tried out natural language interface and to think about, okay, if I were designing it, what are the important considerations to read about it? Uh, to think about how you would test for it. I think those are really useful. And I think UX designers should always be spending a small amount of time experiencing and thinking about some of this future stuff. I actually would say, I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this and, and maybe I'm wrong on this. And this is probably another one of these. It will take much longer than I think it will. Uh, you know, I happen to think that the whole world of machine learning and AI is very fascinating and has a lot of important lessons for UX designers. 
because I'm of the firm belief that at some point, I just don't know when, a lot of the work that some of the, a big piece of the work that we currently talk about as user experience work, as UX design work, as you user interface work is going to be done automatically. And so uh, I'm always saying, you know, when I give talks on the future of UX, I always say, make sure your skill set includes um, the things that humans do and will keep doing. Uh, there's that wonderful machine learning and AI course that you and I took Guthrie and you're, you're, you remind me about that he said, what are the things that humans can do really quickly? Uh, those are the things that are, you know, going to be automated first. So, you know, just think about that. What are the things that humans can't do really quickly that have to do with UX design and, and UX research? Those are the things that where the future is in the field, in my opinion. That's funny because a lot of the things that don't happen quickly are some of the things that are the most, would be the best for automation. So like, um, I'm thinking about like, like, like summarizing insights and user tests. It takes a long time. That would be that would be the perfect thing to automate, but I don't know if you necessarily could because there's so much content. Well, and that that was the whole point, right? Given well, and it's kind of given where we are with machine learning and AI algorithms and so on. It, we have a long way to go in that whole world, and so so if it's complicated, yeah, to to do and takes a long time to do, that's probably going to take longer to be done. Right now, machine learning and AI is really working on the things that are fast. Right. Which makes sense. Like this podcast. <laughs> All right. Guthrie, thanks so much for another interesting conversation. And thank you, everyone who joined us. Really exciting to know that there are people joining us as we live stream. We are doing this. Let's just take a quick moment, Guthrie, to talk about what's going on and what's coming up. We do these every Wednesday at noon central time. We do a live stream. Join us, uh, please, and listen in and and ask questions and, uh, and, and let us know what topics you might want us to talk about. We'd be glad to, to have your input. So I want to mention that. Um, if you're uh, we've we've so much stuff going on um, in terms of online courses, and we have virtual workshops coming up, and um, and so on. So uh, if you ever want to learn about those, um, the best probably the best thing to do is either use our website www.theteamw.com, or email us info at theteamw.com, or follow. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn and where we post about stuff. Or any of the social media platforms. Is probably or any of the social media platforms of your choice. All right. Thanks, oh. Catherine. Oh, oh, I just what? wanted to uh, quickly add. Yeah. Um, that uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Yeah. And we'll be, we'll be putting this up as well at, at the, as the podcast. This is our human tech podcast that you can subscribe to and listen to on audio or, uh, or watch these three streams. Okay. Thank you. Bye everyone.